You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. I can't wait to hear what God is going to do through Christmas Box this year. Why don't you grab a seat? Grab a seat. So good to be able to bring a second part in our series today. And I also want to say a big morena, good morning, welcome to our online whanau. It's so good to be, able to, um, to be able to bring the second part in our series. And I'm calling it Back to Bethlehem today. I'm calling this message Back to Bethlehem. And a few years ago, Steve and I were invited to an event in Queenstown. And it was a conference, a meeting of sorts, and it was the first time that we were going, that we'd been invited to go along to this thing. And we were pretty stoked to be invited, but we were even more stoked that it was set in Queenstown. I mean, am I right? If you're going to go somewhere for a work thing, Queenstown is the place that you want to go. And so I started to imagine what it might be like to be able to go and do this thing in Queenstown. I started to imagine the view from our hotel room, right? I started to picture the beautiful lake and the wonderful snow-capped mountains. And I, would, and I began to imagine waking up in the morning and having my cup of tea and reading my Bible, overlooking these beautiful mountains, reflecting off the wonderful glassy lake. I mean, what better place to start your day? I even took my laptop. I thought, gosh, to write, in the, like there's no better place to inspire you to be creative and begin writing than in this kind of place. And so with those high and lofty expectations, we packed our bags and we boarded our plane to Queenstown. We arrive in Queenstown, we get a car uh, to our hotel, we get dropped off not far from the hotel and we have to walk to the hotel a short distance. Now we have to walk up a bit of a steep hill, but I'm like, it's okay, steep hills are okay, I can handle a hill because at the top of a hill is a better view, am I right? So we, we walk up this hill, we get to the hotel, we check in, it's a nice hotel, the lobby's pretty good. We get our room key and get directed to our room and I enter the room very quickly and I go straight to the window to check out my view. And I catch a glimpse of it, a concrete wall. <laughs> See, it turns out that our room was located located below ground level and the only view was the perimeter wall and the car park. Oh, the disappointment. The disappointment. See, it turns out we don't always find ourselves in the place we hoped we'd be. Sometimes the place we are is not the place we want to be. It isn't what we imagined. It isn't what we pictured. It doesn't meet the high and lofty expectations that we set for ourselves. So often it fails to meet the expectation and so often we wish we could be anywhere but the place we are. Am I right? Steve spoke last week. He gave a message about how God's purpose comes in every season, right? In every time that he allocates to us his purpose is there. And today, I want to draw our attention to this idea that God's purpose also comes to every place and every space we find ourselves. Because when I read the Christmas story, when I read the Christmas story, it becomes really clear that one of the greatest hindrances to seeing God's purpose at work in the birth of Christ is the fact that it didn't happen in the place that many people thought it would. Because when we think of a long-awaited king's arrival, 
Like this is a king they've been waiting for. This is the Messiah, the savior of the world. They've heard about him. There's been prophecies about him. And for many, 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 many generations, they've been awaiting this king. And so you can imagine that they would have imagined, they would have had some high and lofty expectations of how this king might come about, the place that it might have taken place. And if if they're anything like me, I think they probably would have been imagining a palace. They probably would have been imagining a castle. They probably would have been imagining, at the very least, a city that was prestigious. You know, like maybe a city on a hill or something that would tower over the rest of the cities, a city known for its greatness, and yet the places that we read that Jesus comes to in the early stages of his life is just simply not what we would expect for a coming king. In Luke 2, it says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered, like a census of sorts. And so in verse 3, it tells us that everyone registered was to go back to their hometown, the town where they had come from. And so Joseph, it says in verse 4, also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Let's start with Nazareth, where they lived. A small rural town in Galilee, whom we, that we know from a comment made later by one of Jesus' followers, Nathaniel, where he, in the Gospel of John, uh, says that no one is expecting anything good to come out of Nazareth. It's looked down upon as lowly, and it carried with it very little expectation that anyone coming out of Nazareth could possibly do anything that would be worth writing in the history books. Okay, so Nazareth was bad enough, but then Mary and Joseph had to travel back to Bethlehem. Joseph, he's engaged to a great girl, but now she's pregnant, and it's not, he's not the father, and she says that God did it, and then they have to go back to his hometown. <laughs> I mean, the last thing he wants is to bump into anyone that he knows. This is like the worst case scenario for a high school reunion. <laughs> hey, Joe. How's it going? It's been years since we caught up. What's up? You're looking good, mate. Whereabouts are you living now? Naz uh, yeah, Nazareth. Oh, interesting career move. What's in Nazareth? Oh, well, I'm engaged. Oh, you're engaged. Oh, and she's pregnant. Oh, and it's not yours? Right. <laughs> That's not the scenario you want to be in. So they move from Nazareth to Joseph's hometown, Bethlehem, and Jesus is born right there in a stable. Not the place they were expecting a king to be born, and yet we have to realize that there is actually huge significance in the fact that he was born in exactly that place, because it is the birthplace of King David. And this brings the fulfillment of a prophecy that Jesus would be born from the line of David in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is first mentioned in the Old Testament in the book of Ruth. Naomi, who has recently become widowed, she's lost everything, but she's not just lost her husband, she's also lost her sons, travels back to the hometown of her husband, which happens to be Bethlehem. 
Uh, Naomi takes her daughter-in-law, Ruth, who's also lost everything. Her husband also passed away, Naomi's son. And there in Bethlehem, they meet a man named Boaz, who later becomes Ruth's kinsman redeemer. Now, a kinsman redeemer is a male relative who has both the privilege and the responsibility of acting on behalf of a relative who's in trouble, danger, or need. The kinsman redeemer is designated as the one who delivers, rescues, or redeems both property or, in Ruth's case, a person. And so Boaz, by by his right as the kinsman redeemer, marries Ruth, and they give birth. She gives birth to a son named Obed. Obed is the father of Jesse. Jesse is the father of King David, Bethlehem. Bethlehem, it's more than a small town with inns and stables. It's the place where the history of redemption began. The redemptive story that God was writing for you and for me today was set in a place called Bethlehem. And the story he started, he started writing long before Mary and Joseph went door knocking that day. See, Mary and Joseph probably looked around as they got settled into the stable for the night. And they probably looked around and thought, gee, God, is this really it? Is this really the place that you have us? Is this really the place that you want it to all go down? Surely we've come to the wrong place. And we find ourselves asking those questions, don't we? Like, I mean, I have. I've found myself going, gee, God, is this really it? Gee, God, is this, I look around, I'm like, gee, God, is this really the place? Is this really the place that we, we, we could be asking about the home that we're living in? We could be asking it about our suburb, our street, our city. Like, how many times am I thinking, you know, gee, God, if you could have us do this call of God somewhere else, I'd pick somewhere else. You know, like, maybe Hawaii needs an Elam church, you know. I don't know, there's many places that could need an Elam church. And, you know, gee, God, is this really, you know, we can be thinking about it, not just about a physical place, about we, we can be thinking these questions about our job. We can be thinking them about our marriage, all different places, our circumstance. Surely, God, we're not in the right place. And we begin to wonder what good could ever come from those places. But I want to ask you the question today, could the places in your life be part of the redemptive story that God is writing? Because I think there are two common places that can sometimes hinder us from seeing God's redemptive purpose in our life. And the first place is this, the places I have been. The places I have been. It's in our past. Our past, so often it can hinder us. See, what I find very interesting about the places in the Christmas story is that after Jesus is born, the wise men and the shepherds have come and gone. We read in Matthew 2. Verse 13, it says this, after they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child and kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and escaped to Egypt. This is very interesting to me. When I read this from this perspective of the places that Jesus went in the nativity story, I found this particularly interesting, and it's interesting when you remember what is significant about Egypt in the Bible, because Egypt was the very place where the people of God were enslaved. It was their place of slavery. It was their place of pain. It was their place of imprisonment, and if you remember, it was in Egypt that another leader 
was seeking to kill all the baby boys. In the same way that Herod is here in Matthew 2. And it was Moses who was that baby boy who was hidden for protection in Egypt. Moses who later became Israel's redeemer. And it's interesting to me that God would send Mary and Joseph and Jesus to Egypt of all places to find refuge and protection, a place that for his people had in the past had been a place of pain and imprisonment that was now about to come up, become a place of refuge and protection. For who? For Jesus, who would later become our Redeemer. See, in my journey, I have realized, and I'm reminded of it here in the Christmas story, that God can redeem a place of pain and he can make it into a place of purpose. Because some places bring happy memories, don't they? Like there are some places that we think of and we think happy thoughts. It, it, we, when we go there or we think of this place or maybe we scroll through our photos, we think of happy memories of these places, the good times. We're filled with a sense of joy or maybe it brings us peace when we think of these places. These memories of a place brings us contentment and fulfillment. And yet there are other places that bring us pain. There are other places where you and I both know when we think about them, we think of seasons of pain. We think of times we actually don't want to repeat. It, those places, the sights and the sounds and the smells of a place can conjure up memories we'd rather forget. And there are times when we're thinking, I don't want to go back to that place. I don't want to relive that. But can I tell you this morning that I believe that God wants to bring purpose out of those places. He is a God who redeems our past. He is a God who redeems our history and he brings into it a new redemptive purpose. A few months ago, Steve sat on a panel here up, up on the stage and he shared uh, at a 5 p.m. service, he shared the journey of illness and mental health that he had been on, that we'd been on as a family. And to cut a long story short, in late 2019, Steve got a virus in his inner ear. Uh, you've probably heard this before, but it affected his balance, the balance center of his hair and did damage there. And even today, um, still gets dizziness and uh, can cause fatigue and all sorts of things. It's been a really long journey of recovery to recover the function of the balance center of his ear. But because it went so long without a diagnosis, it led to a, um, a real battle with his mental health that led to anxiety and panic attacks and depression. And it's been a long journey. And actually part of that journey that I wanted to share with you today has actually been going back to places and events where the pain occurred and begin a journey of redeeming those places. There were holidays that were hijacked with anxiety. There were events that got commandeered by dizziness. There were dinners that got interrupted by panic attacks. And part of the process of, as a family, the healing process that we have been going on this past two years has actually been redoing those times and places. It's been going back to significant places and allowing God to take a memory that was painful and give it purpose again. And I wonder if today for you, there is a place of pain and God is saying to you today, 
I want to redeem that place of pain and I want to make it into a place of purpose. And my question is, where is that place for you? The places I have been. The second place I think we can struggle to see God's purpose is the place I'd rather be. The place I'd rather, you know the old, the grass is always greener trap that we fall into, the thinking that says, when I just get there, when I just get there, then I'll be, then I'll be happy, then I'll be content, then I'll be rich, and then I'll, then I'll, then I'll be this, then I'll be, then I'll have everything that I want. There is nothing like a bit of discontentment to build frustration, bring frustration into our current season, right? See, God has been challenging me this week with this thought, this thought that it's so easy for what was once a place of answered prayer to become a place of discontentment. Like, remember that house you prayed for and God delivered on the house? Are you still thankful? Or are you starting to only see faults? And, and like, remember that job that God miraculously provided after a season of praying and praying and praying? praying? Are you still thankful? Or are you beginning to find yourself in a place of discontentment? Are you struggling to see God's goodness still in it? See, I think too often we think that it is in the place we are, that is, it is the place we are that contributes to our sense of fulfillment, contentment, and purpose. We pin all of our hopes of happiness on our current position and place. And when we don't feel it, we think we must need to move and be somewhere else. But here is what I have come to understand. My place does not give me a purpose. God at work in and through me is what gives my place a purpose. It's not about the place. It's about God at work in me in that place. See, I can remember being at a job that I really didn't like, a job that I prayed for, by the way, that I really didn't like. I desperately wanted for God, for, for, for open doors to move on. I was praying for open doors to move on. Like, I wanted to be anywhere but where I was, right? I wanted to, there were so many places I would rather be, and I can distinctly remember one of my Christian colleagues lovingly but firmly, you know those friends, lovingly but firmly, saying to me, perhaps, Bex, you're not gonna move on from this place until you allow God, until you allow God to move and work in the purposes that he has for you while you are here. And it made me realize that my place of work doesn't give me my purpose. God did, right? And if it is God rather than my place, then I can find purpose wherever I am. It means I can find purpose in my job even if it isn't my dream job. It means I can find purpose as a homemaker at home even if all I feel like I'm doing is changing nappies and folding laundry. It means that I can find purpose in my neighborhood even if I'd rather be living in a bigger house in a better street on a different, in a different suburb. Because my purpose is not dependent on my place, rather I can have purpose wherever I am placed. I'm gonna ask the band to come and join me now. When you were a child, or perhaps you've got children and you can relate to this, think of the one thing they ask of you when you are going to, when they are going to a new situation or a new place perhaps a new sports class or a new school, maybe a new friend's house or a birthday party of people they've never been to before or maybe a new scouts group or I don't know, whatever they do these days. Do the scouts still exist? I don't know. One of the things my kids ask me when they're in a new place, will you stay with me? Mum, will you stay with me? 
Because your presence reassures them, even if their surroundings don't. Because here's what I know. Contentment comes from God's presence in a place, not my presence in a place. In other words, it's not about where I am. It's about where he is. It's not about where I am. It's about where he is. And so as I close today, I want to suggest that maybe we need to begin changing our prayer from God, move me. Move me, God. Will you just move me? Lord, will you open doors of opportunity? Maybe we should change our prayer from God, move me. Move me from this house. Move me from this job. To God, may I know your presence right where I am. Right here, where I am. Maybe we need to begin changing our prayer from God, move me. To God, may I know your purpose right where I am. God, may I know your power right where I am. God, may I know your healing. May I know your grace. May I know your faithfulness. May I know your provision. May I know your goodness. Should we pray that prayer right now? Come on, would you join me? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you so much, God, that despite how it feels, you give us purpose wherever we are. And Lord, we come to you and we say, God, would we know your power, your purpose, and your presence in our current circumstance and place? God, I thank you that you're a God who wants to redeem our broken places and give them purpose. And so right now I lift up any person, any person that's got pain in their past, any person that where there's a place of pain for them. And Lord, I pray and I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the redemptive story that you are writing, even in those places. Lord, would you give it purpose? And God, I pray for any person that feels discontentment in their situation, their season, their place. And God, I pray that you would remind each and every one of us of your goodness, your faithfulness, and your power to move in and through us wherever we are. Lord, we surrender our place to you today. I want to pray one more prayer very quickly. With every head still bowed and every eye closed, I would love to pray for those of you and watching online as well. This is for you too. I'd love to pray for you if you are here today and you don't know God. Maybe you're saying, Bex, this whole church thing is new. I'm just visiting. I don't really know what's going on. But you know that God is doing something in your life. God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And right now, right now, we believe he's speaking to you. See, God loves you. And what happens is that in every single one of us, we walk away from him. We go and do our own thing. We try and go our own way. The Bible calls that sin. We make mistakes. We mess up. We fall short but he wants nothing more than to be in relationship with you. And so he sent his son Jesus to die a sinner's death on a cross and to take the place that you and I deserved and to bridge that gap of relationship that sin gets in the way of so that we could not only live in freedom with him today, but in eternity with him too. And I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment. I'm inviting every single person online and in the room to pray this prayer with me. Are you ready? We say, dear Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you that you paid the debt that I was due. 
I choose this day to live for you. I turn from my old way of life and I turn to you now. I ask that you would come in and make me brand new today. In Jesus' name. With every head still bowed and every eye closed, I'd love to be able to see who I prayed for today. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. Online, you can do this too. There's a button coming out on the count of three. I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand nice and high or click the button that says, I raise my hand. I'll see it. I'll acknowledge it. You can pop it straight back down. Are you ready? One, two, three. You can lift your hand now. You're saying, Bex, count me in on that prayer. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. You're saying, count me in. I prayed that prayer. Maybe it wasn't the first time you prayed it. Maybe you prayed it before in your life, but right now you know that you're far from him, but you're saying, Bex, right now I know I need to turn my life around. I need to give my life back to him today. Awesome. Yeah, I see you over here. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, we thank you so much for every person who prayed that prayer. I thank you for the plans and the purposes that you have for them. I thank you that today is the first day of the rest of their life. And we're so, so proud of them. And right now, as all of heaven celebrates, we celebrate too. Come on, church, would you give God some praise? Awesome. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.